This time of year we remember that as we give gifts, we give them because gifts were brought to the baby Jesus there in the manger. My friend Debbie Welch sitting over there informed me several weeks ago that there was not three wise men, but possibly a fourth one. And the fourth one was turned away because they brought fruitcake. May have been true. I, I, I nicknamed him the Bishop of Claxton. I, uh, I love giving of gifts. I think that's so important because we got the greatest gift we could ever receive. We have no reason to smile or be happy except for the fact that Jesus came into the world and gave us hope. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and spent a lot of time around one institution there, uh, our home church. And after church, many Sunday evenings, we did what all good Baptists do. We went together in mass to eat somewhere, and we had the best restaurant in the world to hang out at. It's called the Varsity. If you've never been to the Varsity, you've never really had indigestion. They're the best chili dogs in the world, and uh, as... Uh, one of, our, one of our great writers in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, told us one time, chili dogs bark all night, and they do. But being there, I, I would hang around, and there used to be a tunnel that went under uh, the, Atlanta, uh, the uh, Interstate 7585 to Georgia Tech, and there was a lot of graffiti written there. And there, there, people always enjoyed doing that. And I had the opportunity of going to Lehigh University to... Uh, uh, perform a wedding ceremony years ago, and they have a tunnel like that. And in the tunnel, there was graffiti there, and here's what some of the graffiti said. It said, and Jesus said unto them, who do you say that I am? And they replied, you are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being in the kerygma in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationships with the world. And Jesus said, huh? <laughs> I like that. Because Jesus did not come to complicate things. He came to simplify things. He came into the world to let us know that we were loved. That though we're sinful, there was a plan of escape prepared, not right after we sinned, but long before we, we were created. God loved us that much. And he didn't send an emissary or a salesman or a reader or a prophet. He sent his son to save us. I want to remind you that this passage in Isaiah was written about 700 years before Jesus appeared in the manger. The statement that was given there is so powerful. For unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given. Notice the relationship there, the, the, the verbs that are used in such a powerful way. It's, it's so meaningful to know that God loved us in that way. I want you to also understand in verse 6 there, there are five different names that are given, but really they're not different names. They're all together. They're given as an acknowledgement of who God really is. He's wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want you to understand today just what that gift is, because in that name we are given the reality of who Jesus is to us. First of all, it says he's wonderful. The amazing, magnificent, and brilliant gift is that God saw man's need of a Savior. 
and sent his son. Ephesians 1.4 says, He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see, it's not enough that he rescued us. You can pull along the side of the road and you can see a child that's had an accident on a bicycle and you can lift them up and dust them off. You can even fix their bicycle. But then you go your own way, hoping that they do well. But God didn't do that. He sent his son to us and in that relationship, he embraced us and he never lets go. He loves us. He cares for us, and that's what's wonderful about that relationship. Before the world was created, God foreknew the failure of Adam and Eve, and he made plans for sending his son to save us. Now, many people have asked this question of me, why did he do that? Why would God do that? The answer is very simple. The theme in this week's Advent candle is love. Love anticipates every need. One of the most unusual things to examine when you go out shopping, if you're able to see anything for the crowd shopping uh, this time of year, is to go to the section where they have women's purses. I was in Dillard's the other day, and I noticed that purses go from the little bitty tiny ones to the great big large ones. Big large ones. And I asked one of the ladies there, as we were looking at, at things, I said, why do they make purses so large? And you know what she said to me? She said, I'm a mother of six. And a mother of six has to be prepared. She said, I've got a section in my purse for medical wear. I've got a section to keep records because my kids constantly forget. She said, I'm able to purchase anything, anywhere, at any time. And then I've got a section for me. She said, that's why we make big purses, because we anticipate everything as a mom. Well, she put me in my place. She was right. But God anticipates Everything for us with Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because of that, we're here today. He's also called Counselor. Jesus is not just the delivery man of salvation. He's our friend that stays close to us. The wonderful and superb work of God is that Jesus is always there. He never leaves us. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sometimes we see a friend and, and we say, I'd like to be their friend, but they need to clean their life up. They need to become a little different. They need to grow up. And We've all said that in times past when we would see someone, and we would like them, but they weren't quite where we thought they should be. Aren't you thankful that that's not the way God works? He comes to us when we're at our worst, when we're down, when we're destroyed by life around us, when we're frustrated with everything, and he loves us and he lifts us up. Sometimes we forget that the Bible says that before we came to Christ, we were enemies with God. Enemies. This is the classification of mankind apart from Christ. Yet he never treated us as an enemy. He loved us. This doesn't say that, you know, we were poor babes lost in the woods. It says that we were enemies of God. We were working against him. You see, sin separates us from a holy God. It creates that chasm that, that 
if He were to stand before us and appear in His holiness, we would be consumed and destroyed. As Jesus pointed out very skillfully, fear not Him that can destroy the body, but He that can destroy the body and the soul. And God's holiness would consume us and we would no longer exist. But God loved us. He loved us so much that He reached out to us at our worst. Christ died for us while we were His enemies. And I'm so thankful for that. He's also called the mighty God. The Savior would be called God Himself. But He's also Jesus. You see, when we looked at Jesus, when we see Him, we want to imagine Him in the manger as a baby. He came into the world that way to... to, to reach those of us that would have a hard time reaching out to a mighty God. There are many abuse victims in this world, and many who as children were abused. And you know that when someone is abused, the first thing that you lose is trust. Especially trust in authority figures. And God knew that. And that's why he sent his son into the world as a simple baby, innocent. He sent him into the world as someone we could identify with, a young man that became literally an apprentice carpenter in his father's shop. He didn't dress as royalty, he dressed as a commoner. He didn't hang around with the the church crowd of his day. He avoided them because they were the worst people to be with. He hung around with common folks which is exactly what we as Christians are supposed to do. We're to reach those who don't know Jesus. Yet he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and was and which shall always be. Almighty God, yet he leaned down and became like us because he loved us. He's our everlasting Father, and I love that name. Jesus is our everlasting Father. Jesus loves us so much that when we pray to God, He communicates with words that we can't even speak, a a language that no one knows but the Holy Host of Heaven. And He communicates, and that's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because Jesus can speak to God in a way that we can't. Jesus gave Himself for us. In essence, Jesus looks at God and says, I died for them. My blood was shed for them. I love them. You listen to them, and you reach them. And He does. I'm so thankful that Jesus is not with the everlasting Father. He is the everlasting Father. Jesus, our Savior, is greater than every figure we could ever imagine in history. He's not merely a prophet like Moses and Elijah. He's Almighty God. He is not frail and weak. He's powerful. He's perfect. And He preserves us. Paul is saying when he speaks of death and going to be with God, he said, Death, you have no sting, you have no power, for the Lord Jesus destroyed you. The last enemy was death. 
When you stand over that grave and, and you're burying a friend or a loved one, you don't have to fear what's in the ground there. Jesus went into the ground and he came back again. But the last part of his name is Prince of Peace, and I love that. That is so special. It is not the world's idea of peace, no. Their idea of peace is cessation of disaster. It's of everybody being calm and trying to get along, but that's not Jesus' idea. Jesus himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but division. Because there is no celebration for the Christian with unrighteous people. They're against what God represents. But the peace of God comes only when he's present. Only when he's present. He said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives peace. Give I unto you. And he said these words, which I love dearly. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Fear is not to be the companion of the Christian. For perfect love casteth out fear. And because of that, we are victorious today. There's a story I shared with you many years ago, and hopefully if your memory's like mine, you've forgotten it and you'll enjoy it again, okay? But the story is about a man that lived in Bavaria who was very wealthy. He, over the years, collected art and had some of the greatest collections of the Dutch masters of his day. He, he, he knew what was valuable and he would hold on to it. He had everything from Picasso to Raphael. And yet, his wife left him too soon in death. And he had but one son. And his adult son was always seen with the father. Many times after a meal in the evening, they would walk down the, the, the immense gallery around their castle and look at the paintings and enjoy them together to speak of the, of the gift and the talents of, of those who produce them. But alas, one day the unspeakable happened. The son died. It was a horrible accident that shouldn't have happened, but it happened. And the father wept bitterly. He could not take himself down the aisles and look at the paintings that they together had, had chosen. And not too many weeks after he had buried his only son, he died. The estate manager gathered people together, and they had a gigantic auction. People came from halfway around the world because the art was... Some pieces were literally priceless. And they gathered in a large room, hundreds of them, waiting for the auction. And the auctioneer stood up and, and, and he said, according to the terms of the will, the first thing I have to sell is this. And he held up a little portrait of the son. He said, can we start the bidding at 500? The room was deathly silent. Nobody even moved. They looked down at their watch and they hoped they'd move on in a hurry, but no, nobody made a bid. He said, okay, 250. Let's begin there. Not a sound. $100, then he said. Let's start at $100. A man shouted out, let's get on with this. We've got things to do. We're ready to buy the good stuff. And there was a murmur through the group of agreement. Finally, the auctioneer looked up and he said, is there anybody here that will bid on this painting? And a little lady stood up, very crippled, and she said, 
I'll buy the painting, but all I have is $43. It was the nanny that had raised the boy from the time that his mother died, that had loved and nurtured him, that was a part of the household there, that, that cared for these, these two men and watched over them. And through sad eyes, she said, all, all I've got in the world is $43, but I'll give it for the painting of that boy because I loved him. Two ushers came from the back and led her up front, and she stood on the stage. And the auctioneer took the painting, and he turned it over, and he pulled a letter off the back, and he opened it up, and he said, this is from the master of the house. He said, who, he who chooses my son gets it all. And he said, dear lady, this empire is yours because you chose correctly. That's exactly what we do when we choose Jesus. We get it all. We're not limited. We're not set back. We're not, we're not misentitled. We're not set aside. No, we're given everything. And the greatest love is not the love that we have for God because that love is growing. And that love's immature. The greatest love is the love that the Father had for us. It compelled Him to give the greatest gift, His Son. And because of that, you can leave here today with joy and peace and happiness in your heart because you've won it all. Let us pray. Father, I thank You so much in this season of busyness and activity that these gathered here with me have come aside just simply to love you, to celebrate the gifts that you have given, to understand that none of us deserve the hope and the help we've been given, but out of love and compassion, you've offered this to us. And because of that, we understand what grace really is. Lord, I pray that you would speak to someone this morning that in this season of celebration, they're struggling. They need a direction from you. They need hope from you. And we know that's available. God, speak to someone today and illumine their lives with your holiness and your love and give them the presence of the warmth of the love of God in their heart, even now. And I pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.